Welcome to Diffuse Congruence. This is episode 102 of the American Muslim Experience. I am special guest, Zucky Hassan. <laughs> and yes, welcome back. No need to adjust your dials. That is Zucky's voice you're hearing. And um, we thought it'd be kind of special uh, to not only commemorate nothing significant, perhaps about uh, episode 102 of a thing, but it is our seven year anniversary of the show. So, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the uh, seven year itch moniker is relevant here, but it might have been because Zucky left us or left me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sakum, guys. So uh, congrats on uh, congrats on seven years. Uh, I'm just the newbie here. So uh, you guys yeah, were I like, say, I, I had this crazy dream where like I left the show and there was like a global pandemic and and Eddie Van Halen died. Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I wish we, right. Or, or, or like that last season or no, is, is it the last season of Dallas where like Bobby wakes up from a dream, right? He's in the shower, it, right? It is. It is not the last season. There's actually like four more seasons after that. Well, yeah. We have a resident expert in Zucky about all things <laughs> Dallas. So um, we're just going to go random. I know Zucky and I haven't even talked in several months or really. You know what you did. I know. <laughs> Good. But I speaking of that Dallas, I remember being like, whatever, six, seven years old and seeing, do you remember when TV Guide was a thing? Oh, like yeah. And you'd go to, at the checkout counter with your parents at the grocery store and there'd be TV Guide. And I remember seeing uh, the actor for, for Bobby. Uh, coming, like, there you go. Uh, you know, but then behind the shower door at the checkout. I, I vividly remember that. Yeah, yeah, and of course, who shot Jr. and whatnot? But um, uh, anyway, uh, we, we didn't we didn't mean to digress into Dallas territory. Oh, but, I thought um, that, I thought well, that that's going to happen. That's going to happen at least two or three more times, just Dallas specifically. In this I, next I just hour. assumed we were doing an hour about Dallas, and that's that's that's, that's what you signed me up for. I thought. Well, yeah, I know we we lured uh, Zucky in under false pretenses. Um, like, yeah, no it, Dallas, I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> you lured you lured me back with false promises. Of, I did. I of did. Jruing and well, I mean, you know, the, 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 say, the siren song of Dallas. Yeah, I, I will say this: uh, a tie in to everything going on right now. I, I I've, I've been listening to the audio book of uh, of Donald Trump's uh, niece, right? The, that she wrote about the family, and that my my takeaway is that this family they are the stupid Ewings. And yeah. we're all trapped in stupid Dallas. It's like Dallas, but so, so much dumber. And this is a show where, remember, they wrote off an entire season by saying, hey, it was all a dream. And it lasted for four more years. So when I say stupider, yeah. it's saying something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I definitely want, I mean, I know I, I definitely wanted to get into current events because, uh, you know, and, and Zucky really kind of keeps his... Uh, pulse on kind of what's going on as, as I'm sure we, we all do to an extent because of just, I mean, we have time and we're on social media and whatnot. Um, but I guess before we maybe kind of dive into that, why don't we just kind of catch up, uh, Omer, um, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Obviously no, no secret. You were last time we recorded recovering, uh, from COVID. Yeah. 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 Well, first of all, good to see you. Good. I haven't seen you in a while. I know we've been texting Hello. here and there. Uh, but, uh, I, I left the Bay area in, uh, early June, I went to stay with my parents in Spokane. I came back in September, uh, and lo and behold, got hit with the whole family got hit with COVID uh, within that week. Uh, so we must have picked it up during the travel. So I actually haven't haven't seen you. Uh, I know I gave you a, a bit of a scare 
but we'll come to that in a bit. <laughs> so I was cause for anxiety. Uh, I, I caught up with you what, about a week ago. We met up at, at the mall with the kids and, and you, nice. you thought we had been seeing each other, but I reminded you, we actually hadn't seen each other since May either, but we've seen each other on video, right? It was bonkers, yeah, because we do this podcast, so and I and I get to see you. I know our audience doesn't, but it, yeah, I just felt like we were still connected all those months. And then you reminded me like we hadn't seen each other since Edel Fither, which blew my mind. That's right. That's right. So anyway, thank God we're all pretty much recovered. I would say there's there's uh you know we we were sick. I was pretty much out from September 11th of all days all the way to September 18th. I felt horrible. I started feeling better September 19th. I would say. A week after that, I felt like 95 plus percent. I feel like I'm 99 now. I could be 100, but you know what happens? Um, every time I get a headache, which people get headaches, right? Or every time I'm a little out of breath, I'm like, oh my God, is that COVID, right? Yeah, is that headache right. COVID or is it? So uh, what what was what, what maybe was a normal headache before or a normal, a normal kind of being, being down, I'm kind of attributing to like uh, what I read on Google, which is very dangerous. If you go on Google and say long, don't type in. If you have, if you any, you know, if you have COVID like I did, and you type in long term effects of of COVID, it's uh, it's enough to to give you a scare. But yeah, thank God we're all better. Um, it was kind of a wild September. We we didn't get the worst of it. Thank God, alhamdulillah. Um, I didn't get. I didn't even get fever. Or did they did they hmm? pump you up? Did they pump you up full of uh, remdesivir? No, Regeneron. Regeneron. Yeah, yeah. That's, that Remdesivir, I think, is the, is the Regeneron product, right? Oh, is that uh, right? No, no, I think it's separate. Regeneron is the company. Uh-huh. And, and when I heard Trump saying that, he's like, I'm going to give you Regeneron. I'm like, okay, who in, who on his, who in his circle invested in the stock five minutes yeah, before that yeah, statement? Right, right. Uh, well, well, Remdesivir doesn't sound like evil corporation enough. He, you know, Regeneron <laughs> it sounds yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, like I said, I didn't get fever. I didn't get uh, respiratory issues. My kids got fever. Uh, my wife got fever. Uh, nobody really got respiratory issues. We felt horrible. I, I did feel like I had the flu for eight straight days, which is much longer than you would normally get a flu. Um, and, uh, you know, no major breathing issues was was the, the, real, the real good thing. We were keeping an eye out for it. Uh, it was more like a stomach flu with a lot of body ache and exhaustion to be honest. The stomach flu went on for like two weeks. So it was like feeling off in the stomach for, for a while. So that's that. The, now now it's like just the the aftermath. And I was telling you, Pervez, it's like people, people, there's a stigma. And I'm realizing that, right? Because initially I was super open. I was telling people, um, hey, oh yeah, this would happen. I'm like, hey, I'm going to do some good. I'm going to share. And they're going to maybe benefit from this information. I realized that it started to come back and bite me. And, uh, and I'll give you an example. So, so, you know, I've mentioned here, we're doing the house construction, right? That's been going on for a while. That's been kind of a nightmare, to be perfectly honest, because you, you never want to start a house construction renovation during a pandemic, uh, because there's all sorts of complications that will, that will bring up your costs and uh, add to your time. But the, the house, when, they, when, we, when the contractor found out that I had COVID, he's like, oh, my God. To everyone stop, send everybody home. I'm calling my lawyer. I kid you not. He called his lawyer. And then we had to pay in order for things to start up again. We had to pay for like uh, outbreak professional style. outbreak style, like people coming in, in with like hazmat suits and spray. Right. And, and we had to pay like $1,800 
for, uh, and we have the certificate saying it's been professionally cleaned. It's safe to go back in. And the funny thing is we weren't even living in the house. We just went in to like drop off, uh, pick up mail or drop off a suitcase or what have you. We didn't actually live in the house. We went in for five minutes and it caused that panic attack. And even to this day, I get texts on a regular basis. Don't go to the house. You're going to scare people. So I'm like, man, I don't have, I'm not, we don't have leprosy or the bubonic plague or anything, but there's just this fear. And after, after that happened, I'm like, I'm not telling my boss or anything. Cause I just don't know what the long-term, you know, mm-hmm. what the long-term fear uh, or impact that's going to be. No kidding. Crazy. Yeah. Right? These are, yeah, these are some really crazy times, man. And I, yeah, and I, and I'm sorry, but that's a real thing. And, and I can imagine, I mean, you kind of having firsthand knowledge of, of, like we don't talk about that or we don't think about that, but the kind of stigma associated with having once uh, had COVID, you know, and, and, and people, people's reactions. Um, and, and like you said, like kind of a real world example of uh, the way your contractor treated you after you, like you must've mentioned that you were, <laughs> yeah. you guys had tested positive. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so I'm more careful. I didn't tell my boss because, and, and this was reinforced. Remember in the debate, well, let's hope he doesn't listen to the podcast then. Uh, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Um, so remember the debate, uh, somebody's Kamala, I think Kamala Harris said it's a pre-existing condition. Yeah. Right. So my company, for example, we have our own benefits, uh, coverage. So we have our own, we pay for it through our own pool, if you will. Right. So any increase in expense causes an increase to, to my company itself. So they're, they're, you know, it's, it's in a sense, it's, potentially impactful, right, to the company uh, from a dollar's point of view, because it's not just the insurance company paying for it. Um, so, so yeah, so, so it could, you know, if you're being paranoid, you're like, okay, well, if they know I'm sick, I'm kind of more of a liability to them, yada, 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 right? That's kind of your worst case example, you're paranoid, paranoia, if you, if you want to take it that far. Yeah, yeah. Well, but thank I, God, I you know, feeling better now. So that's the most important thing. Good, good. Yeah. And it's good to hear you and, and, and good to have you back um, fully. I got to scare Zeki. I gave Zeki a good scare in the process, though. Zeki, you got you to gotta talk about that a bit. I gave you a, a bit of a panic attack, right? Well, I mean, only, you know, out of precaution because, yeah. um, you know, my, my wife picked you guys up from the airport. And um, I think shortly after you guys came back, they, you, you you met the kids uh, at the park, right? So it was it was within the time frame where I was like, okay, well, we need to be extra cautious, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, you know. So no, no, yeah. To be fair, you were super calm, but I'm just I'm just joking around. You you actually didn't didn't uh, didn't uh, didn't react or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what happened was actually our kids were park. Our kids, your 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 um, nine year old, my eight year old are close. Uh, and they were playing and he, they both had fevers and you're turned just by coincidence, right? Probably from the change in weather in the Bay area or whatever. So that's what caused the kind of the panic attack, but it all, it all worked out. You guys were clean and no bubonic plague. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it's uh, my, my, this entire time since all this started, I've been trying very hard to limit my interaction with the, the outside world in general, mainly because, uh, my parents uh, live, uh, you know, 10 minutes away and uh, I, I go and I see them regularly and I make sure they're okay. So my old thing is always like, I need to be able to see my folks. That's been my thing. So that's how I've been uh, conducting myself. And, I, and I've been lucky. I mean, just to be clear, I've, I've been, thanks to my job and everything, I've been able to do that. Not everybody has that 
has that, you know, the ability. So that's, that's been a blessing. So I've just, I've tried to be extra cautious with myself only because of that. So, you know, I, I, as soon as we found out you guys had it, uh, we went into, we quarantined our household for two weeks, just out of an abundance of caution, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, Zucky, I mean, I, I imagine our listeners are just delighted to hear from you. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time we caught up or we, I think it was back in January. So obviously way before all of this. Um, but, uh, you, you mentioned your job. So you're, I, you're, you're, you're still teaching. I imagine all of that is now distant. Yeah. I mean, virtual. I, 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 I've been lucky in that I get to keep working. I, I haven't, I haven't stepped a uh, foot inside a classroom since, since the second week of March. Now you know, I'm yeah. being married, married to an educator. I know that, you know, it's all based on counties and, and, and what the numbers look like. And they have certain metrics set into place. Um, any, any kind of word from, from the colleges that you teach at? Um, as of now, all of my schools plan to be virtual into the spring. Wow. Okay. So, so they've so, made that clear. Yeah, I, I San Jose State is is virtual. All the community colleges. I think one school I'm waiting to hear back from. But I mean, it's different, right? When you're talking about K through twelve versus versus oh, yeah. college, so that, that sure. helps. Yeah. Um. I mean, I because I see it. You know, it's in the mornings. I at eight o'clock, I get on my calls with my classes, and then my kids are in their classes, and I see. You know, the older they are, and you guys can attest to this, the less of a big deal it is. I'm sure. You know, you guys both have teenagers. They're probably on task, and the younger ones, it's a little bit of hard. My 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 youngest kid, I, I mean, I worry he's turning into an idiot. Uh, I mean, I love him, I love him, but you know, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I'll always love him, but you know, <laughs> but I do. Yeah. I I mean, he already had the attention span of like a fruit fly. None of this is helping, even a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so. tough. It's tough. Uh, I like, just, yeah. I echo what you just said about. I think teenagers, uh, or I should say, the older they are, they just adapt uh, better. Uh, I have an eleven-year-old and a seventeen-year-old. The seventeen-year-old, like, I haven't heard anything. But whereas the eleven-year-old, you know, she's struggling. She's struggling big time. Uh, but but just exclusively, almost, uh, you know. And again, she's not saying this, but I like as parents. Our diagnosis is she needs the social element. She misses that, you know, and that, you know, she's starting, she's in her first year in middle school. So it would have been a whole new world for her uh, in general. And so now she's doing it all virtually. She doesn't know any of her classmates. She's got four teachers as opposed to one, you know, so there was that transition anyway, which is difficult. Um, but uh, but to kind of um, exacerbate to have that exacerbated by the fact that you're you know looking at your peers in little Zoom um, images, yeah, so yeah, good. so so it's tough, and so I, I'm definitely seeing that with my 11 year old. And then, but on the flip side, companies are like uh, announcing that they're, they're this is going to be a bit of a new normal. Microsoft just posted something today um, saying that basically people are going to be able to come in as long as they come in at least 50% of the time, they can live wherever they want, just sort it out with your manager, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that's the trend. So what I find interesting about that, Omer, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up because um, I I feel like uh, there is a little bit of a, like, first of all, we live in California. And then on top of it, like, I know, Omer, you, myself, kind of, we're we're, we're connected in the tech uh, industry, or we are in the tech industry. And so I think there is a little bit of a bubble within a bubble, because like, I, I know that, for example, in Chicago, where my where my extended family live, 
they're back to work. I mean, like my brother, one of my brothers goes back into the office three days a week. That's just normal. Uh, my other brother goes in daily. So, and then I know I have other extended family in Texas. Schools are back. Uh, I think by August, October 18th, almost every school district in the greater Houston area um, is going to be back to in-person learning. So we really, so it's, this is again where, and I, I think this will get into kind of the political conversation where we live in a blue state, a very, very blue state. And so I think, um, you know, what we're seeing, whether it's uh, by way of education or, or what we're seeing by way of these tech companies, um, they are just because of the fact that they're within that, you know, blue bubble, they're able to kind of make those kind of, um, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, uh, offer those kind of constellations, you know, consolations for, for, for employees. Um, but, uh, but that's not everywhere. That's not necessarily true. In, in Spokane, uh, which, uh, where my parents live, the North side is pretty, it's pretty red. I would say 60% red. Right. Um, and the school district there where my nephew goes, um, I think he's like only one of two or three kids that opted to stay home and they're all in school. Right. Mm. So, and it's, and it's very Trump country, you could call it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm seeing that. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, um, uh, like in, in other parts of the country. So that, that is something that I think is interesting. Um, and I think this goes to how a lack of kind of a federal uh, uniform approach to all of this, not to say that maybe a uniform approach would have been the way to go, but at least some kind of high level guidelines that I think, you know, all the states could have met would have been a better approach. But anyway, we are where we are. But uh, well, I mean, I mean, we're seeing a real time example of what happens when like one of your aunties on WhatsApp is running uh, the country <laughs> using WhatsApp links as primary sources. You know, you know, some, so I, I have my, some of my college friends are, are pretty conservative and I was like, you know, if, if, if it was any other president, if it, let's just say it was Obama and 200 people, 200,000 people died, we would be more forgiving, not because we were just biased, but because he's not such an, I'll say it, a-hole, right? <laughs> so Trump just being a total narcissistic jerk, right? You're like, you're not going to, you're going to not be forgiven. You're like, he's being so arrogant and and that the same result, you're going to be like much harsher on him. So there is a, there is the, the that it's, I wouldn't say it's a double standard. It's, it's almost like, well, the fact that he's, he's, he, his character is so bad, um, it all ties together, right? Well, and and I mean, if I can push back a little, I mean, the reality is that if it were any other president, irrespective of, of party, the the last five presidents, you know, so Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, you know, go all the way back, it, it would not, the death toll would not be this high. Because the death toll is a direct reflection of this president's inability to grapple with the fact that this is not about him. This this plague is, is not some kind of judgment on him. It's just a challenge that must be overcome, right? So so we know the death toll wouldn't be as high because we know the things that could that could quell it. His own CDC guys like look this this mask more than a vaccine. I trust this mask to cut the death toll down. This is his own guy, you know, Dr. Redfield. And so it's weird to me, you know. It, it's like when did there become two sides of an issue, like just put on a mask, it'll make, it'll keep you healthy, right? What a weird thing to dig your heels in on, right? Because we know that in the early part of the pandemic, people like Anthony Fauci were like, you know, 
for the time being, don't use a mask. And what happened? New data comes in. He's like, you know what? It's better to wear a mask. Well, it's not an, it's not an ego issue. It's just, well, this is where the data is taking us, right? So, so that's what's so baffling. And, and the truth is, if, if we had a death toll like this by a president from the opposite party after behavior like this, we would not be forgiving. Yeah. I mean, that, you know what I mean? I, That's right. I, I would, I would certainly hope not, you know? <sighs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like, I, I think I, I tweeted this or something like, like, you know, the idea of Teflon Donnie, you know, nothing sticking to Donald Trump, uh, you know, tough, to, like, like Teflon, nothing sticks to it. And it's just as equally toxic. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we find ourselves. Um, no, to your point, Zeki, about, about like WhatsApp aunties, like I, I saw this on Twitter. Um, Kevin Cruz writes, the president of the United States has unlimited access to precise information and expert advice. But Trump always sounds like he's trying to recap a conversation he heard, he overheard on the cross t- on the crosstown bus. Um, but yeah, that, I think that about nails it. Um, you know, and, and and he's tweeting like I think uh, uh, Trump last night on 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 Hannity his uh, weekly or nightly therapy session. Um, but I, I just want to situate us uh, just so our audience can kind of gauge. We are recording um, after um, you know, obviously Trump. Uh, you know, testing positive Melania Trump and, and Donald Trump, as well as I think what now there, I think it's up to 34 people. Um, some identified, some identified people have tested positive, probably the result of a super spreader event, um, which was uh, the, um, the nomination of, um, of Amy Comey, uh, of Amy uh, Coney Barrett to the Supreme court. Um, and what we've seen in the last whatever week or so, because if we're recording on Friday, it was a week ago that all this information broke. And I think it was uh, a, a week from tomorrow that Trump checked himself in. Right. Or was it a week from today? A week from today. Yeah. Okay. It was a week where he checked himself into Walter Reed. Um, and in, in typical Trump administration fashion, we know very little about the president's diagnosis. I mean, we, okay. There are there are some sort of glaring gaps in what we know about the president's diagnosis. When was he when was he last tested negative? We still haven't gotten confirmation on that. When exactly did he test positive? Um, and you know, and, and the number of people and who he came into contact with. And so, it's just again, just typical Trump administration fashion. And then, of course, again, what we've seen in the last week whether it was the photo op uh, drive-by thing he did, uh, putting his Secret Service uh, detail uh, at risk by riding in the car, riding in the, mor- in the motorcade with a known COVID patient, uh, to what he did when he returned to the White House, the sort of Mussolini balcony, you know, waving to his, or waving to an empty audience, but whatever. Um, it's just bonkers. I mean, yeah, like, uh, you know, people ask me like, well, how can you support Joe Biden because of his policies, you know, and pick your policy, right? How, why do you, how, how can you support him about this, that, and the other? And I said, you know what? And again, this is probably something that is, is not, it's certainly not just unique to myself, but my calculus is look, dude, I'll do anything and I'll vote for anybody that returns us to basic, decent democratic norms uh, institutions and where there's not a existential threat to our democracy by a would-be dictator and authoritarian. So yeah, doesn't does even Jeb Bush or somebody like that sounds like a godsend at this point, right? Right, right. So it's I mean, like, and I was just saying this to somebody on social media. Like, like, I, look, I'm not, I'm not 
my I, I'm I've, I'm voting Joe not because I think he's going to be an agent of change, but I'm voting Joe just so we can return to normalcy. Uh, and I don't mean that you know you know in terms of pandemic or pre-pandemic, but just in terms of what the kinds of democratic norms that we've come to you know expect from our leadership for the last two hundred years. Like if we can return to that, then you know what I consider that a a, a step forward from where we are. I've been using this analogy a lot lately for whatever reason. It's like when you're drowning, right? You just need to save yourself and get to shore. You can figure out what to do and dry off and figure out where to go once you're on shore. Just get to shore. And I feel like we're just trying to get to shore. It actually, I can't even fathom if November 3rd turns out uh, uh, otherwise. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we have, who has the stamina to tolerate tolerate that, but we'll, we'll see, so- I guess. So Zucky, um, I mean, I, you know, again, this was going to be a, a conversation we were going to have later, but um, I guess where are we sitting right now with regards to predictions? If we were, if we were going to sort of uh, stake a stake a claim to what's going to happen in the election? Well, I mean, geez, that's the last time everyone is so gun shy, right? So. They are gun shy, <laughs> but so, I'm seeing. So, but but well, if, if I think if we're being honest, though, right? I mean, even the polling. One way to look at it is to treat 2016 as an anomaly as opposed to the kind yeah. of norm. Well, and I've, I've been, to, and I, I believe you and I even had this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, when you, when you look at the, the handful of factors that landed him in the White House last time, yeah. you have to say, if you're playing the odds, the, uh, the chances of, of being able to repeat that feat have gone down substantially. And it was an absolute fluke to begin with. It was because because this was not a mandate. This was first of all, it was it was a popular vote loss by a significant margin. Yeah, right? and, and and number two, he won as a result of about a hundred thousand votes in three states. Mm-hmm. And 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 look, the the reality is that his popularity has never gone above forty five percent, or if it has, it hasn't been very long. It's definitely never gone above fifty. Mm-mm. His popularity has gone down. His his base has gotten smaller. Yeah. So all of these factors, you know, the, the what I've been saying all along, and it certainly feels that way now, is that scene in Avengers: Infinity War, where Doctor Strange looks at all the multiple timelines and he says, "I I looked at I looked at ten what? million timelines, and out of them, there's only one where we win." Well, if we take that analogy and apply it here, Donald Trump's winning this time is the one. So having yeah, said could, that, it, it could happen. So he absolutely, let's be very clear. He can get reelected. That is not off the table. However, when you look at all the many factors in play right now, the, the odds are, are not in his favor. So I'll, I'll tell you what happen. though, my evangelical friends who were on the fence and voted maybe third party or whatever last time are gung ho Trump this time. Sure. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Gung ho because he, he has catered. He has, uh, uh, done, done, done right by their by from their point of view, protecting Christ, protecting Christianity from uh, oppre- uh, oppression, but, right? Because in their but, mind, Christians are the greatest uh, oppressed minority in this country, right? But here's the difference: they were gung ho for Trump last time too, right? Exactly. So, so, so what we have now, remember the 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 real candidate who won last time was neither neither Clinton nor Trump. It was apathy, right? Because because you take the number of eligible voters. Who voted for both and add those together, and that's how many eligible voters you have who just didn't show up. So, yeah. in other words, so so a lot of people 
a lot, a lot, a lot of people on the left, and you guys know this, stayed home because mm-hmm. they were like, I just don't like Hillary Clinton. I wanted Bernie Sanders or whatever. So and forget people who voted for Trump. It's people who chose not to vote. That number is going to be substantially lower this time. And here's the thing. The, the, the number of Trump voters has not grown significantly. That much we know. But the number of people who have not voted was growable. So that's that's what makes things different. And and again, look, he he could pull it out again. This is this is by no means in the bag. But Hillary Clinton was disliked in many ways for unfair reasons. Let's be very clear. But she was historically disliked the way very few candidates, other than in fact Donald Trump, have been. <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden is is at most for many people like a net neutral. That's, that's right. Difference, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I mean, again, I'm happy to have egg on my face come November 3rd. I I, I don't think it'll be November 3rd because I think there's going to be a couple of days where we don't know the outcome. And the only reason I say that is because, um, you know, in terms of percentage of people that 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 plan on voting in person versus plant the percentage of people that are voting uh, via mail in ballot, um, it, it favors uh, red uh, or like the day of the election is going to be it favors re- the Republican voting base as opposed to Democrats who by and large I think by a 60 to 30 margin on both sides so you've got a 60 to 30 margin of Republicans who say they plan on voting in person and a 60 to 30 percent you know again plus or minus odds of people uh, on the Democrat side who say they plan on voting uh remotely or via via mail-in ballot um and so I I, I say all of that to say that um if I was again a betting man, and I'm again happy to have egg on my face that week of November, but uh, I don't, I don't see a a roadmap that Trump is able to pull off an electoral victory. Um, he's trailing in even the battleground states that he won. Um, the, the like the three in particular that you mentioned, Zucky, Wisconsin, Michigan is almost kind of a feat accompli. Like he, there's there's not much he can do there um, in terms of the margin that he's trailing by. Um, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the last four polls have shown uh, Biden up. Um, and I think Wisconsin, the same story is there. Um, I think uh, Trump's real chance at electoral college victory is Florida to put him over the top. Um, uh, and we'll see what happens in Florida, that being the kind of the real battleground state here. What Even Arizona. Really, uh-huh. What we really want is clear, 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 crystal clear victory and not, not uh, to get messy yeah. afterwards. I mean, I'm. I mean, this is obviously a big hope, but like, wouldn't it be nice if Texas flipped, right? So then it doesn't that way. It's so crystal clear that it doesn't it doesn't end up in in um, in the courts or, or yeah. worst case Supreme Court, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I I also don't see a scenario where Trump doesn't uh, uh you know question the outcome of the election. So that that's also kind of I'm factoring that in to the calculus as well. Um, yeah, which, yeah, which is why. Like, for example, whether it's with the stimulus bill and other things, it's almost like he's kind of a con- he's he's accepted loss on those things. He's willing to take an L. But as far as like getting the nomination of uh, Judge Barrett onto the Supreme Court is like his only and number one priority right now. So um, anyway, so uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I missed anything. I, I, I don't know. There's obviously so much we could talk about. Um, there's always so much. Um, you guys, what did you guys think of the uh, vice presidential debate? I, you know, I think, I mean, to be honest, when, when Kamala Harris was running for the, the nomination, she didn't, she didn't come across as, um, 
solid. She kind of felt a little wishy-washy and maybe she was just finding like how far left she wanted to go. Cause that's how, what primaries are. Right. She seems a lot more solid in terms of just grounded uh, in terms of uh, just, you know, just, just as a very solid vice presidential candidate, moderate, grounded, uh, clear policies and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I like her. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think to that point, you know, we, what we what people saw uh, this past Wednesday was exactly as you described. And then you have Trump uh, the day after calling her a monster, communist, uh, communist, like all these. You know, I mean, he he swings so far into just insanity, and and you can't even be like, oh, it's the drugs talking. Let's let's be real; he could not be on drugs right now. We wouldn't know because it's the same stuff, you know. Yeah. But but I I. I have to imagine that that's just as much of a turnoff for people who would be on the fence, right? I mean, notwithstanding all the ride or dies, which there are several of, but I think on the whole, people are like, well, that's obviously not what she came across as, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. You know, he, he swings it so far into the, like, you know, if you were like, well, you know, did you hear the thing she was saying? She wasn't talking about this. And then she's, you know, like, there's like, there's like the, a, a more deft politician and the, the word deft does not apply to anything Donald Trump does. Could could find a way to within to generate enough, uh, uh, you know, gray area to keep people uh, on his side, mm-hmm. but he just he has no ability to do that, you know. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think this, uh, I think a lot of what you just said, Zucky, also kind of can be said about the presidential debate that we had two weeks ago, which was that, um, you know, I, again, all the polling indicates that, you know if Joe Biden won or Joe Biden did win, but it wasn't so much because based on what Joe Biden said, but it was just the way that Trump couldn't get out of his own way where he came across as this just, you know, came across as Donald Trump is just rude. Wouldn't let Biden get a word in, uh, came after Chris Wallace after the debate for interrupting him and so on. And so, yeah, again, I think a lot of what you just said about the way he reacted to the vice presidential debate is way the way he comported himself during his own debate performance, which resulted in, um, you know, poll numbers either being where they were or, again, kind of a net bump for Biden. Um, we also saw, again, you would think that they would that 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 that, that Trump would have gotten some kind of a sympathy bump with COVID. But again, now that polling's coming out, it's showing that people Again, the polls, not only did he not get a net bump, but in fact, he may have actually lost more because of, again, the White House response, his own response. You know, it's just like the flu again. We're back to like the greatest hits from, you know, uh, February. Right. Uh, It's just like the flu. Don't let it dominate your life. So people are tired of that. Imagine if, you know, in, in 82 or whatever, Ronald Reagan sees Hinckley and he's like, what, what is that a gun? Ooh, what are you going to do? Shoot me? Oh, you trying to impress Jody Foster? You think like a tough guy. Right. And I yeah. think people would have been a lot less sympathetic. That's right. And that's what this is when he's like, I don't need to wear a mask. Yeah. Nobody needs, you know, I mean, that's what, the, that's why there's no sympathy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so to put this in this apparent lingo, a lot of this is put a chip. Put a chip. Yeah, exactly. And I'll let you translate that. 
<laughs> oh wow, where do I begin? Yeah, that, that, that's like just snarky, uh, sarcastic, you know, Desi Auntie or our mom or dad talk, which is just like you know, keep doing what you're doing, and you'll see the outcome of of you know of, yeah. of what you get. So yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like it's like they're not gonna go as far as like cursing you or like wishing ill of you, but they're just like you know what? Yeah, you just do you, and 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 we'll see the consequences. Of it. <laughs> and by the way, they just canceled the the next debate. I just saw it. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, Anne. Yeah, they're both kind of going for this town hall style separately, but that's because Donald Trump wouldn't agree to a virtual uh, or a, you know, yeah, virtual debate, which uh, I don't understand that either. Which, which I mean, I mean, this, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, I, I'm reminded of a, of a Simpsons episode where, where Homer gets chosen to be like a union rep and he's just a complete bumbling idiot. And and Mr. You know, Mr. Burns is like, I don't think this guy is quite the mind that that, you know, we've been led to believe. Right. Because because like, right. think about it for the audience watching, whether you're on a, a virtual call or in person, it's going to look like two people in Zoom windows anyway. Right. But but you have an audience of tens of millions baked into the cake. So he'd rather cancel that and do one of his Fox News rallies that that, you know, what, maybe three, three, four million people will watch. I, you know, I mean, I mean it, yeah, it, I think I think they were estimating. Yeah, they were estimating, you know, the the uh, presidential debate would have probably netted around six, sorry, 60 million viewer views. Yeah, yeah 60, six, zero. Whereas them doing these now like virtual or these uh, individual town halls is probably going to be top six million, you know. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and if Trump wants to do it the same night that Biden is doing it, then even you're, you're even splitting that down even further. So it's like, yeah, like you said, um, yeah, this would have obviously been a positive thing for Trump to be able to, you know, again, um, you know, they're, they're the campaign that's behind. They need all the eyeballs they can get. Thank you. Thank you. For the Biden people. I mean, they're, they're comfortable enough in the polls that they're in a place of strength, you know? Exactly. I mean, not not to say they should be overconfident, but look, everything I'm saying, you don't think his 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 team is is gaming all this stuff out too. I mean, they're you know they're knocking on all the wood. They're you know they're doing anything possible, but just from a position of polls, they're in a better place. They can afford to do without the debates. The you mean the dwindling uh, team that's either uh, you know quarantining at home because they're COVID positive or they're uh, like locked up in jail, like Brad Park. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, think about the fact that Chris Christie is hospitalized right now. That's right. This is the same guy who back in April was like, people may need to die to get the economy back. That's, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, yeah. And, and the truth is, see, I, 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 you don't wish ill on anyone, you know, no. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but it's like, it, this is no joke. This is not a political thing. Yeah. That was interesting. That was the whole the whole you know. Do you wish ill on people? That was interesting on the on the on Muslim Twitter, right? Because yeah. you had yeah. people who were like literally like saying praying for him, right? Or saying, you know, I hope he inshallah he recovers, maybe, you know. And then there was the opposite. People were praying for the opposite, right? That yeah. that was interesting, right? Which, which is like I think I prevails. I said this to you, like like I'm not popping champagne, but I'm not running garments either. <laughs> I'm not praying right. for the guy, but I'm not praying yeah, yeah. for him. Yeah. Pop, uh, popping Ruavza. Sorry. There you go. Wrong, my, 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 wrong podcast, Zucky. Yeah, yeah. My, my <laughs> yeah, line was, inshallah, whatever is best. Smiley-faced, smiley-faced emoji. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Anyway, I, I'm sure we can go on, but I, I, I do want to, I, I wish I could say to transition to s- s- sort of happier topics or, or lighter topics, but, or, or maybe arguably lighter topics, but um, I, I'm not sure so much about happier topics because I mean, Zucky, we've got you on, on the show. And, and so I definitely want to talk to you about your other job, which is um, reviewing movies. Um, one, how's that going? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. And, and number two, well, I guess, I mean, no, honestly, like if you've watched anything that you would recommend or whatever, and then number two, like, yeah, what is happening with cinema? Like, I mean, we're all big movie buffs, so that's, that's not just Zucky. We, we, we had certainly movies that we were really waiting to see in 2020, which doesn't look like anything is going to happen until 2021. Um, but yeah, what is the future of theater going? What's the future of Hollywood productions? What's all like, what, what does all of that look like? So best case scenario is that everything hits pause as far as theaters. Uh, and then, and then this thing gets uh, rendered safe enough for people to be comfortable going back into big crowded rooms to watch movies. But I, uh, I've been saying for a while that I don't think you can just flip a switch. Yeah. I think after a year of social distancing, even where, you know, even where theaters are open, Right. Yeah, are, I want to make that point clear that, that, that there are places and right here in California, even like Redwood Southern City. California. It's yeah. Redwood oh, 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 really? Yeah. yeah. Somebody this morning in my class was like, yeah, I went to see Tenet in Redwood City. And okay. Like, what? Yeah. So, like, oh, well. <laughs> so, so, you know what? Okay. Pause right there. Um, informal poll. Like, would you go? Well, I can go now. I got antibodies. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> right? W- would I personally go? At, right now, given the fact that nobody else is going, I'd probably feel more comfortable. Yeah, I, agree. Being, but, I agree. But um, uh, the long term is really interesting, right? Because on one hand, the optimist in me is saying, okay, they're going to – they're using this time to write some killer killer scripts, right? Things, and then they're going to – come right back and it's going to be just like it was before. But then you're yeah. seeing a, a couple of releases on streaming and you're seeing people uh, move to streaming, you know, even more uh, big productions going on streaming, whether it's soul from Pix, you know, Pixar, Disney or, um, or what have you. Right. So that could just be the new norm. And then you're going to, you can see Disney and Amazon maybe gobble up AMC and these types of small, uh, these, these uh, movie, movie theater chains, which are going to go bankrupt pretty soon. And that, well, that's like it's easier, yeah, because it's easier said than like than done, Zucky. Like when you say like let, you know putting a pause on the theater, theatrical viewing experience. I mean, unfortunately, the, theaters can't withstand that pause. They, they can't longer. put a pause on their rent. No, no, they can. I mean, and and I think Regal has already announced massive shutdowns. Um, I think AMC is, is on the verge of that. Yeah, but wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't be surprised if Disney buys whatever uh, AMC and Amazon buys Regal and they all put the, and then it's a direct to consumer model with a big screen, right? That totally makes sense. I mean, there's been so much consolidation. It's a possibility Mm -hmm. or, or even uh, offering an infusion of cash. But um, I mean, that, that's going to be the question around all of this. I mean, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, we don't, we don't know what a blockbuster even looks like when all of this is done. Like, like, what happened right now is Regal made the decision to shut down all U.S. theaters into into next year. Why? Because because uh, James Bond No Time to Die is not coming out. It was supposed to come out in November. They pushed it, right? And and so then you say, okay, it, let's say it comes out in April now as it's scheduled to. How will it do? No one knows what a hit movie looks like 
post-COVID. I'll tell you something right now. Avengers Endgame made $2 billion in a weekend. Forget <laughs> that. Forget that for a while. So the burning question that I've had then, if we can, can I kind of examine where we are right now by a case study of looking at two movies, one is the kind of Mulan uh, model uh, or the or the path that they took, and then the other being the tenant model. So how did those two movies fare, Zeki? Like, do you, do you have an idea of like the box office and so on, like the numbers? I mean, to be honest, neither one did particularly well, but insofar as Disney, so di- for those of you who yeah, don't sorry. know, uh, Tenet was a, a Warner Brothers release, and Christopher Nolan was adamant that it not be put out on home video. He wanted it to be a theatrical release. And I think in the back of his mind, he wanted that to be the thing that sort of brought theater going back. And so it, it came out to theaters, you know, six weeks ago, whatever it is. And, and you know, predictably, it hasn't played. Why? Because theaters in major areas, including New York and California, remain closed. Two of the biggest markets in the country are closed. And then other parts, the middle of the country where theaters are open, people are still not going. Because Mm. just because you say theaters are open, if you build it, doesn't mean they'll come. You know, people are people are scared. So so tenant, I was going to say flop, but you can't. I mean, that lingo doesn't really apply in this case. But it is clearly a disappointment given how much it cost right now. Okay, no question. Mulan, okay. on the other hand, well, I mean, it it didn't do great. But on the other hand, what 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 Disney did was rather than release it theatrically, they said we're going to make it available to Disney Plus subscribers for thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's thirty bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, I got it. Right. I, I, in fact, I was I was one of the subscribers, right? Purchasers. Me there too. So, Me too. So, yes. So so at the very least, that's that's thirty dollars that goes directly into Disney's pockets. They don't have to split it any which way. So even if it ended up making less than it would have at the theatrical, which how could it not? Uh, on balance, Disney probably did okay. Do they want to do that with everything? Probably not. I mean, there's a reason that that uh, Black Widow they pushed it all the way a whole year, you know? Wow. Um, because because I think they still need certain movies to be the you know tent poles, theatrical tent poles. It reminds me of like uh, the switch from cable to, to streaming, right? The cable company, the cable channels, ESPN, the cable companies, like they they know there's a dying <coughs> model, but they know it's a it's a pretty killer revenue stream, right? Too, right? So they want it to live out as long as possible. These these studios want theaters to go back to normal, but in reality, um, there's a there's a, a, a long term trend as well, right? Whereas more we our, our kids do not care about the theater. Uh, nearly as much as we did right so so the trend is there i was reading something really interesting uh about disney plus disney made about 12 billion in movie revenue per year right before this and they're making about 3 billion in disney plus revenue Hmm. that said the opportunity for disney plus is 30 billion like in the next five years so you could potentially get way more from streaming if you go global and you expand your subscriber base and you, yeah. you basically, if you have the success that Netflix had, you can w- make way more than you make in the theater. I could, I could totally see a situation where the big blockbusters are, you know, if gone, if not gone, few and far between. Because if you look at a show like The Mandalorian, they figured out this new technology where you don't need to go to sets or anything like that. They do, they have these awesome, massive screens, and I think it's called. There's a name to it. You, you might know yeah. uh, their technology where they're in a studio, but it looks like they're on set. Uh, yeah. Because the HD screens are so so uh, high res, 
Um, and they can basically film stuff for way, way, uh, way cheaper. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's amazing. So, so right now everything is, is just, it's just TBD. You know, I, I, I personally, I will always be a booster of theater going. Uh, Same. Because I think, I think that's the best way to experience a movie. So I was just the other day I was on my phone and I was looking at, you know, how you buy your tickets online. So it's all like saved in your like iPhone wallet, you know? Yeah. 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 So I was telling my class this morning, I was, I was going through it. Like, like people go through pictures of like their ex, you know, like, Oh, remember that? Oh, I remember when we went, you know, <laughs> I remember when we went to Rise of Skywalker. That was so much fun. Your kids, they were their kids, they're their babies. You're like, Oh, he was, it was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so the last, last time I was in the theater was in March uh for the invisible man you know and that was uh yeah. just the week literally the week before shelter in place started wow yeah Perbez, you we remember we went to onward right You're, we went to onward together, together yeah with the yeah. kids that's right um and, that, well you know and, and that's a good example right because because uh that was pixar and now disney just announced that soul which stars the pixar movie starring jamie fox that's going to go to disney plus but it's not going to be following the premium model that they did with Mulan. It's just going to be straight Disney plus. So in other words, Disney's making the calculation that it's worth more to them to just have that on regular Disney plus, because they'll probably get more subscribers that way. And that's going to mean more money in the long term, mm. versus right? Because, because, because think about it. Uh, what the subscription model tells us that generally speaking, people start subscribing and many people just like, keep it. Yeah. Just forget about it. Like, right. like, uh, like Omar, you just said you're, you're unsubscribing to CBS All Access. And I was like, wow, you're like that that minuscule percentage of people who actually let these things go. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll probably start back on. You know how to do Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, because but, so Disney's making the calculation that, yeah, they could get more money up front maybe for $30 from existing subscribers. But long term, it, it means more, more financially, uh, it's, it makes more sense to have it available on the regular platform and use that as incentive to get people to come on board. Exactly. Cause you're creating a second layer, like with the, with the, with the Mulan model, imagine if you're just a person who doesn't have Disney plus and you want to see Mulan, you've got two hurdles to cross. You've got to not only get the, you know, the monthly uh, subscription, but you also then have to pay the premium here. You just entice them by a release like uh, Soul and say, "Here's incentive if you if you didn't have it already to um, you know become a subscriber." The, and the last thing I'll say about this because it's uh, getting kind of down you know down the rabbit hole to geek yeah. out is think about the data they're getting right. They, they know how many times you're watching this movie versus that movie, right? And they can basically double down like. Uh, they just look at Cobra Kai, right? Cobra Kai on Netflix, they just greenlit several seasons because they saw how many people were watching and rewatching. They, they, they have the data now of people hitting play or pot or dropping off halfway. Uh, you know, movie, movie, uh, if, 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 if they see that uh, only the dads and the moms are watching and the kids aren't interested, they're like, okay, we're not going to make toys, right? Targeting that demographic, right? So they have all this data now that they didn't have before. Yeah. That's worth a lot right there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing you talk about Cobra Kai, me and Zucky are like smiling at the end of, uh, at the end of uh karate kid, like Mr. Miyagi, because yeah. I think, I think Zucky and I saw it uh, when it was on YouTube red, which was like two yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah. I know I did. And I think Zucky did as well. Yeah. Um, and then, 
meanwhile, you know, young Padawan, Padawan, um, uh, Omer watches it on Netflix, like the rest of, I think like the rest of the world. And now suddenly everybody's talking about what a great show that is. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of nice. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad so many people have discovered it because it, it's just, it's, uh, Omer, I think you said it, right? Like this type of thing where it, it's a legacy sequel that continues the old story while bringing in new characters. I mean, it's probably the best version of that of model that. that we've seen. You know, yeah, yeah. I, have yeah. The, I, have the, I have the single tear going down my cheek when I think about what, what if, the, if those writers had done the Star Wars sequels, right? But we won't go down that that rabbit hole. I mean, that's it, it, true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, like, like Omar, like you said, this is like, I, I think we, we could geek out about this for a while. Um, oh, I guess, I mean, since we are talking about what we're watching, I mean, any, any other recommendations that we can leave our audience with? I know Zucky, they'd probably love to hear about anything that you'd recommend. Uh, well, things, I mean, we, we've talked about this online, but the social dilemma documentary yeah. on, on Netflix will terrify you more than any Saw movie you know, it it's absolutely horrifying. And, and I mean, the reality is that nothing in there is particularly new. I mean, all this, stuff, yeah. it, it's about the, the, the pervasive uh, uh, negative impact of social media on human interaction and in a whole variety of ways. Uh, but it is worth watching if nothing else to, to have it in the back of your minds as you're using your social media platforms, which let's face it, uh, the majority of humanity is doing. And that's why we're so entirely screwed right now. <laughs> you know it's gonna be interesting like once this whole pandemic's over inshallah like are people there, there might be a period where people don't want to necessarily watch stream stuff in their room like there's gonna be like i gotta get out of the house yeah i think um you know um, bounce bounce back or whatever you want to call it right after after effect um so that's gonna be interesting too like people i think people want to get out of the house and whether it's go to the theater or just do something completely different right um so that's that's gonna be interesting as well so like i, I wasn't going to go here but what's what demar like what demarcation or what marks the end of of the pandemic for you omar you talked about like when the, when all of this is over you know people wanting to get back to you know going to movies and going to theaters and so on going to a ball game going to a concert what is the end of the pandemic because i'm wrestling with this and i think about this and i and this is conversations i have with my family like what marks the end of the pandemic? Omer, you just talked about like when all of this is over, said and done, inshallah, people are willing, you know, wanting to move on with their lives and getting back to what they used to do pre-pandemic. But what event or what marks the end of the pandemic for you guys? Because I mean, like to me, it, whether it's the vaccine model or it's like the herd immunity model, both of those, both of those are sort of wrought with. Um, a lot of sort of like unknowns. Um, and so just as thinking people, I imagine for you guys thinking about this as well, like what, what, as I said, symbolizes the end of the pandemic for you guys? Well, joke, jokingly, I say it like it's, it's over for me, right? Because I have the antibodies, but unfortunately, in re- aside from joking, it's not actually true, right? Because I'm still concerned about my loved ones, my parents, and Supposedly, you can get it again after three months or so. So there's just so many unknowns. So I, I I go out to be honest, and I'm like programmed now to kind of cringe, even though I've I literally had it already and I have the antibodies and and there's not much 
proof you know, or data to say you can get it again. I, I still don't want people close to me. And I'm still like, uh, you know, when people are not wearing, I get annoyed and kind of like, don't come close to me, put on your mask. And I'm still doing the whole, you know, hand sanitizer and, and all that sort of stuff. So my behavior is, I feel like kind of permanently been uh, uh, affected, you know. I'm not going as far as I did in the in March, April when it was super unknown and I was like washing my groceries and all that. So I'm not doing that. But um, yeah, so uh, that's just personal, you know, as somebody who has it, uh, to answer your question, obviously herd, herd immunity is is probably not going to happen, right? Because we're, we're on one hand flattening the curve and that would take several years. Uh, so it's either going to be a vaccine or it's just so under control that, you know, like like in Australia, but that, that doesn't seem like a, a possibility for the U.S. Yeah, Zucky, your thoughts? Like, I, I mean, the truth is uh, when a plurality of credible uh, medical professionals say it's safe. I mean, that's what, I mean, what, what else can we do? I mean, what else can we do, right? In the absence of any personal expertise in this area, you have to trust the experts. So that's kind of where I'm at, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Because like I said, I, I think even, yeah, like uh, both models where, whether it's the herd immunity or it's just, or, or the vaccine model, there's just so many unknown variables there, which I just don't know if that, alone is going to, like I said, serve as that sort of demarcation of when this is all over. But I guess we'll wait and see. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously this was meant to be kind of a seven-year reflection, seven-year celebration. Um, Zucky, um, it, we, we started this thing back in uh, October of 2013. So that was seven years ago, my man. Um, but uh, if I if I think back, I, I, I you know, I, I kind of, for me, the origin story of the show kind of goes back to that I think you and I just either either we met to discuss the possibilities of a show or we just met up because we hadn't seen each other in a while. And we were in a Starbucks right here in Fremont or Newark, and we were just kind of talking. We were just kind of, you know, just doing what we do, which is catching up. And um, I believe it was the gentleman over who was either waiting in line or he was in the table over and, and he kind of leaned in and he was like, well, you know, where people could lean in without you know, having other people gasp. Um, but uh, yeah, he kind of leaned in and he was like, Hey man, I'd listen to you guys talk for an hour. And, and that was kind of like the, the, uh, like the, like the uh, thumbs up, the green light that I think we needed. That. Yeah, we, we had met to, to brainstorm ideas for this. And that was kind of, that put a little bit of gas in the tank, which was nice. Yeah, that was nice. And, and I want to just kind of like, for me, like it's always important to kind of paint a landscape or paint a picture of what things looked like seven years ago. When we wanted to do this thing, when we wanted to kind of start this podcast, I mean, at that time, uh, I was just a consumer of podcasts. And when I say podcast, really, for me, it was almost exclusively, I was just listening to Zucky and Brian at that time, I think Sean, you know, Zucky's movie film podcast. And so I was just sort of consuming it as, as a consumer and really only that podcast. And I thought, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great to, to, to have a podcast that discusses issues that are relevant to Muslims in America, but from a Muslim perspective, right? Not from a foreign policy perspective, not from, you know, people in government, et cetera, or in think tanks or, or even perhaps academia uh, discussing Islam uh, theoretically or, you know, within those sort of frameworks, but rather just as two American Muslim dudes just kind of ruminating and talking about their own experiences and using that as a way to um, you know, engage in conversation with guests that we had. And so that was really the genesis of the show. Um, I know like as a, 
as kind of a wish list thing. It was like uh, I was uh, I saw this as a vehicle to reach out to people, scholars, thought leaders, artists, et cetera, people that I admired in the Muslim American, the American Muslim community that I would love to engage in a conversation. And I thought this would be the great this would be the you know like, like, like the best you know, pretext that I needed to reach out to them and to get them on the show. So that was kind of like, really, that was it. That was it. And when we started, there was no other podcast, at least to my knowledge, that was really kind of approaching it um, in that model or, or, or in that approach. And now, you know, we're blessed uh, to have other podcasts, many other podcasts, in fact, that uh, speak about Islam and Muslims from a authentically Muslim voice. So that's kind of my reflection, Zaki, about, you know, in terms of the origin yeah. story, at least. I don't know if you have yeah. any additional. Yeah, no, I, uh, that that fits in line with, with my my memories, too. Yeah, I mean, it th- it's worth emphasizing that. Yeah, I mean, seven years ago, we were basically the only game in town. So it's, it's kind of nice, you know, that like yeah. so many other shows have sprung up. I mean, that's 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 what's great about this format is you know you know for all the 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 real issues about lack of representation etc in in the in mass media which is that too is being addressed that too in the seven years since we started has changed so much but podcasting is truly user generated so if you see a void fill it you know and so and look at look at just the sheer volume of of uh, Muslim and Islam related podcasts. It's amazing. And, and it's a really, dem- it's a, it's a, it's a democratized, um, you know, space, right. Where, like you said, if you have a voice, you know, get a microphone, get a, get a laptop and you're, you're good to go. Right. It's kind of like, I guess in the nineties or late nineties or early two thousands or what have you, you know, Zucky, obviously you can speak from experiences because, because of Zucky's corner, you know, like the blogosphere and that space yeah. and, and, and what that right. represented, but, you know, just kind of talking about that for a second or, or kind of reflecting on that. I remember I, I dabbled. I, I think I, I literally did one post on a blog and I remember a word of advice that you gave Zucky actually was that, you know, the, the recipe for a secret, like uh, the recipe for a successful kind of blog or putting your ideas or thoughts out there was consistency. And I think something that we can also speak of with regards to what we've seen in the last seven years is podcasts come and go, right? Yeah. Podcasts yeah. that began, uh, that maybe had two, three episodes in the bank, and then now they're nowhere to be seen. So, yeah. um, and I think that, I, I and I've been asked this in particular or uh, individually by people who listen to the show, like, what do you attribute to the longevity that the show has enjoyed is, you know, and I give two answers to it. One is like, you know, at that time, it was you and I, you know, both of us being passionate about what we did and what and enjoying enjoying the show and enjoying the opportunity just to get on a mic and talk. But number two, you know, we we kind of stayed above the fray. And what I mean by that is like there, 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 there's there's like a podcast model out there where it's like either talking about the most sort of cutting edge relevant issue of what's happening right here, right now. Whereas I see a lot of our content, maybe not all of our content, but the vast majority of our content is meant by, um, you know, deliberately meant to be uh, evergreen, right? Right. To be able to be revisited. And it doesn't necessarily put you in a particular moment in time. Mm. Right. Because if you're like you have Imam Zaid Shakir on or Dr. Omar Abdullah and talking about their life stories, like 
that never grows old. That never gets old. Um, whereas if you're talking about the flavor of the month or what Muslim Twitter is, is, is upset about this week, um, that's here today, gone tomorrow, right? Whereas, yeah. whereas, like I said, I think our content generally has been, you know, kind of staying up. And that's what I mean when I say staying above the fray. I don't mean that to be like not getting into, into the, into the culture wars or whatever. But what I mean, what I, what I meant by that was like, we deliberately wanted to keep our content always relevant and engaging. And, and, and we approached it that way. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good point. Uh, you know, you, you see that in, in, in film podcasts just as much, you know? I mean, oh, really? Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's a tendency of like of of you know cre- you're creating shows that are meant to like get people angry and things like that, and I, I don't understand that. You know, it's funny because I I had somebody reach out to me who was like, oh, we do this show where we pick a popular movie and we tell you what we we explain why it is overrated. That's the show. <laughs> And that's they're like, the we show. That's the right. show. And they're like, we'd like you to come on as a guest. And I didn't respond, but um, you know, I, I texted uh, Brian. I sent him a gif of Steve Rogers at the end of, end of Avengers Endgame, where he's just like, no, I don't think I will. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't, <laughs> like, nice. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, like why? I'm, I'm like, if somebody likes something, why not just let them like it, right? And I feel like so much of uh, uh, yeah. this stuff is about that. You're gonna get people like pissed off and get them to you know and i'm like you know the reason diffuse congruence works is because people are listening to you guys just chat with each other and you bring somebody on and you just have a conversation and you know it's pleasant yeah it, you know and and yeah you're tackling ta- uh, important issues or whatever but at the end of the day it's it's just people engaging in uh, interesting conversations who enjoy just talking to each other and and that's it you know mm-hmm mm-hmm um, yeah, no, thank you for that. And, and, uh, I guess Omar, like as, as someone who was a listener of the show and then now obviously a co-host, like what was it as a listener, like that you, that, that, that drew you back to the show, you know, month after month or episode after episode as someone who kind of avidly listened to the show, um, you know, for years, uh, you know, obviously before becoming a co-host. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like, like I, and, and I'm asking you in particular because I know like Zucky has this cardinal rule where he doesn't go back and listen to even past episodes, whether it's whether it's diffuse congruence or movie film. I, I actually do sometimes go back and dabble, but um, so so I, I can't ask Zucky for the listener perspective, but I think you, Omar, <laughs> really can offer the listener perspective as well. Yeah, I mean, the reason I uh, really two two reasons, right? Number one. Uh, Zucky got me into podcasts first with a movie film and I had a nasty commute. So it was just a cool way to move beyond radio and music. Right. Um, so, so you feel like you're actually, uh, you know, uh, benefiting in some way. Uh, you can do that with lectures and audiobooks too, but this is just another, another way to do that. Uh, in terms of, in terms of uh, the content itself, what I, what I liked with the early episodes was the fact that you kind of went behind the scenes with, uh, the guests. So it wasn't just uh, Imam Zaid or whoever have you talking about uh, this verse or that that uh, that uh, hadith or what have you, right? They were going behind the scenes and revealing something about themselves that you may not have ever heard anywhere else. So that that was cool. It was a little behind the scenes, intimate fire, you know, fireplace, uh, fire fireside chat, if you will. Um, now, 
you know, now things now we're in, in a different, different time. Now we're, uh, now we're in peak podcasts, right? There's a, there's a bunch, bunch of others. It's interesting that podcasts have grown and thrived, uh, like way, way more than blogs ever did. So they've, they've kind of come here and they're here to stay. It seems that, uh, even beyond, for example, the commutes, like I, I, I will walk and listen to podcasts, right? That's my new thing in, in, in the COVID world. I'll go for hour long walks and listen to our podcasts. Um, but yeah, the, the episodes are great because they, they're, they're, they're more than just what you can read, uh, on a Facebook post or even in a blog or, uh, or what have you, or, or in a, a lecture because they go behind the scenes. They're intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you for that. And, and, you know, going back to Zucky's point, something Zucky mentioned about like the, the intent of the show isn't to get you riled up. The intent of the show isn't to get you to think a certain way on a particular issue. And I think, you know, just, just a lot of the recent feedback, Omar, that you and I have gotten, um, you know, and, and I, and I wish, you know, maybe for another time where I can go through and read kind of all the recent feedback, but to, if I could summarize a lot of the feedback that we got, for example, Omar, the episodes that we did with uh, Imam Has, um, Hassan Kazwini, right? The or, or sorry, Hadi Kazwini, um, mm-hmm. Imam Hadi, was that people appreciated the fact that we didn't approach the subject matter, i.e. Shiism or Shia, you know, like the Shia tradition in Islam from a polemical point of view, that it wasn't like we didn't approach it as a debate. We didn't approach it to like, this is what the Sunni approaches and this is what the Shia approaches, that we really kind of allowed the space for Imam Hadi to talk about the Shia perspective from a Shia, you know, or to talk about the Shia tradition from the Shia perspective. And that was kind of the overwhelming, you know, or or the people that reached out to us, it was like all of that. It was like, we just appreciated the fact that you guys kind of approached it that way. And I think that's kind of indicative of, or just like kind of dispositive of what Zucky talked about, which was, you know, our intent of the show was never to be a polemic. Zucky, I, I, I want to thank you for uh, like really, you know, like I, I think the input that you brought to the show, the set of, sort of set of experiences, skill set, I think that has had a sort of indelible impact on the show. It's the voice that we still carry. Um, you really kind of set the tone, as it were, as a co-host. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I think Omar kind of continues that in, in, a, in, a, in a different but very similar way. And so... You know, if I'm the sort of like the common thread that's been there from the beginning, I mean, I I I, I approach both of you and the voices that you've brought to the show as, as really kind of having an indelible impact on the flavor of the overall show, and I think listeners would agree. So, thank you, Zucky, and thank you, Omer, for uh, offering that. For sure, for sure, it's good. It's good to be on this multiverse episode. I just had to throw that in. <laughs> See, I I've been uh, over the course of the pandemic. Uh, pandemic, I've been watching ER. And so I've been seeing how over 15 seasons, you see how certain things change, certain things stay the same. So, so Pervez, you are the Noah Wiley that carries on all throughout. Naturally, that makes me the George Clooney. Oh, yeah, naturally, <laughs> naturally. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like, uh, I was thinking he's, he's, uh, he's Eddie Van Halen. And you're, okay. you're, you're, you're uh, David Lee Roth. I'm Sammy Hagar. And, and maybe there'll be a. There'll be a Gary Sharon as well. That's there, the- <laughs> there you go. That, that works too. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. 
Uh, but yeah, no, th- seriously, thank you both of you guys. Um, and like I said, like the, I think the unique and at the same time, similar, um, the diffuse congruence as it were of, of, of voices that you brought and you bring to the show. Um, I think I'd be remiss. And that's my favorite word on the podcast, by the way, remiss, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, um, Asad who does that awesome introductory music, which I still dig and I still listen to and I enjoy listening to. So um, thank you, Asad, for that awesome contribution to the show. And 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 you'll be, you're there in the history books as well, my friend, uh, in terms of uh, uh, your contribution to the show. Thank you to all the guests, all the people that listen, as always. Um, do continue to reach out. Um, I've made it a point, Zucky, something you'll be proud of. I went back actually, and I Went back to all, I think we I had, we had emails at diffusecongruence at gmail.com that we had not responded to because it was like, oh, I thought Zucky did it. No, 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 Zucky thought Perez did it. And so we had these emails sitting in in our mailbox, in our, in our, sorry, in, in, our, in our inbox for like the last four years, five years. And so I, yeah, I went back and I responded to all of them. A lot of people responded back saying, yeah, they kind of gave up. They I thought like we Ring, never- You're like Ringo Starr in that Simpsons episode. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great reference. Please, here we call uh, French fries uh, uh, chips. <laughs> P.S. Please forgive the lateness of my reply. <laughs> that's oh right. God, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's Gomer has no. Any, Sim- it is. any Simpsons reference? I just smile and nod. <laughs> Nodding politely. What is it like? Smashing pumpkins? They talk about another Simpsons reference. Uh, like, like, like the, the hollow palooza or whatever the, yeah, exactly. So, um, it's like smashing pumpkins, smiling politely. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing about Simpsons, right? If yeah. I watch it, I'm like, eh, it's fine. But when I hear people talking about it and if they give me the context, for some reason, I'm just cracking up. So I don't know what, what, it, what's lost in traits translation. If I just don't like all the colors and the animation, but you, I can, Zeki can, can just repeat a joke from this, from the show. And I'm like, that is hilarious. But if I watch yeah. it, I don't find it funny. I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, like, and so I went back and I, I replied to all these emails. And like I said, some people reached back out and thanked us and so on. And so it was great to engage people that way. But I promise this is a promise moving forward to you people who reach out, who do send emails. We're going to be on top of it. I'm going to be on top of it. Um, you know, do leave us reviews. We've got some amazing reviews. And I, again, like I said, I wish I had the time to read all of them, but I'd be like catching up on seven years of material. But we've got some really great reviews on iTunes. Please do do that. That always helps. Uh, we've got a five-star rating right now. Let's keep it that way. Um, I guess before we close out, as we often do, um, oh, so one very, at least in my view, one um, I consider a positive, but we'll see in the long run. But one of the out, one of the sort of um, byproducts of this whole quarantining and staying home and and pandemic has been I've been super out there on on Twitter. I've been really engaging. I've been trying to increase my sort of social media platform, as it were, uh, and I do that by via via my own Twitter account. So um, hit me up, guys. I'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, I'm at Pervez F Ahmed at Twitter, uh, or sorry, at Pervez F Ahmed uh, Zucky. Where can people find you on Twitter? I know you're pretty active as well. Uh, at Zucky's Corner, Z-A-K-I-S Corner. And Omer, I know you're, you, you, I see you a lot on Twitter as well. I think that's, that, that's been kind of an, uh, like a, like a byproduct of the, uh, of the pandemic as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on, I guess I'm on Twitter, but more, mostly as a consumer, I don't really okay. engage in terms of like, uh, uh, I use it as a news source. People ask me like, I do too. Why, why Twitter? I'm like, Hey, it's actually probably the best way to get the latest and greatest, like one minute ago news, right? Exactly. Uh, so I'll go there for anything from 
movie rumors to uh, sports scores to politics. Then you can then once you find out what's on Twitter, you can bounce off and go research uh, somewhere else. But it's it's a great it's a great like kind of a top 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 news source. Yeah, so I mean, like, what for me, what I've what I've noticed as someone who's pretty new to Twitter is that what I like about Twitter, unlike Facebook, is that, uh, and again, I don't have a, I, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have any insight, or this is just sort of based on just my own experiences, is that the it's less algorithm driven, where it's really about who you follow on Twitter, and so that's what you consume in your in your in your feed as approached to Facebook where it's really an algorithm and so if you're using it as a news source then i then i find that at least with twitter it's really based on who you follow and now yeah you may construct for yourself a hermetically sealed kind of echo chamber but if you don't if you go out there and you listen to voices that aren't going to necessarily agree with you politically then that's going to be the kind of news content that you get and so i agree with you omar i i I use it primarily as my news source and i love it for that but i also use it as a source to engage in pop culture and so on but it's all based i feel at least more with me kind of in the driver's seat in terms of what content i get as opposed to facebook where there's just so much going on behind the scenes in terms of the algorithm and what Facebook thinks I want to read or thinks I want to see with regards to news. Yeah. I, I, it took me, you know, from 2007 all the way to 2019, it was, it was, I was a Facebook user and Twitter was just this thing that I was like, hmm, interesting. I haven't really caught on, but in the past year, year and a half, I've, I've really switched. It's really the only social media platform I, I use actively. Facebook has just gotten a little dull for whatever reason. Um, it's great. They're really the only, for me, the benefit of Facebook is there's, you do get a, a kind of a pulse on what's happening in the community. Like if there's a mustard event or whatever, you might hear about it on Facebook first. Um, but uh, yeah, and I stay, try to stay away from Instagram. I find, I find it a bit toxic. So, uh, you know, you could argue the benefits of this, this or that social media. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, I mean, obviously, we, we should mention the show has a, has, a, has a Twitter account as well. You can always reach out to us and hit us up at DiffusedC uh, on Twitter. Uh, so do follow us, do reach out, give our, you know, give feedback, thoughts, anything. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So um, and last but not least, when we're talking about media platforms, um, a, a fan or a listener took it upon himself or herself to create a YouTube channel for us. So you can always search us on YouTube and you can go back and you can listen to our audio content, but it's on YouTube. So for those, I know one of the things I've, one of the feedback or one of the comments that we've heard over the years is, you know, why not create YouTube content as well? And that's maybe something Omar and I can talk about and think about going forward. But at least for right now, you can go back and listen to our entire um, entire vault, entire bank of episodes that are that that have found themselves uh, on a YouTube channel. So thank you, whoever you are, listener who did that. Uh, we really appreciate it. So that's always great to hear. So um, um, yeah, as far as future episodes go, uh, Omer, I know we're in October. We have plans to do a special um, Halloween episode. We'll just kind of tease that, and then we do promise to try to get an episode before the election. Uh, we want to have someone who um, kind of does this for a living in terms of uh, uh, politics and uh, uh, cam- campaigning and so on. And so we really want to kind of bring in on, like, bring on an expert to talk about the uh, election. So we promise to try to get an episode in about the election. So do uh, look out for that as well. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you, as always, for listening to, to us to ramble on for seven years. 
So, and we hope to give you seven more, uh, if not more than that. So thanks always, guys. And do catch us on the next episode of Diffuse Congruence. Mm-hmm. <laughs>